Welcome to the Counter Narrative Podcast, a show designed to change the way we talk and think about education. By sharing stories of successes and triumphs, we aim to challenge the dominant narrative that often negatively portrays our disenfranchised populations. I'm your host, Charles Williams, an educator for 15 years, a current school principal in Chicago, and an educational consultant. Let's get started. This is a special crossover episode with Dr. Sam Fesich, host of the Edge of Magic podcast, and will be airing simultaneously on both of our shows. Now, if you don't know Sam, she's a professor of education at Grove City College, where she teaches pre-service teachers about educational technology and special education. During our conversation, we each shared two takeaways from the first half of a very interesting school year. Sam explored the very real fact that online teaching and traditional teaching are vastly different, and that we need to be mindful of the unique needs of each as we launch into instruction. She also pointed out the need for ensuring accessibility for both forms of teaching, especially if we expect our students to succeed. Sam continued by challenging so-called norms by encouraging teachers to set boundaries and focus on self-care. In fact, a potential challenge emerged from this idea and how we can commit to pushing back against toxic positivity. Of course, I too shared my two ideas by reminding educators that they are not alone in the challenges that they are facing as we are all navigating these uncharted waters together. And I continue to anchor my belief in the potentially cliched, but no less important, concept of Maslow over Bloom. We must make the time to build strong foundations, especially in a time of remoteness and often disconnectedness. You know, during this episode, we dropped so many names, including Che and Pav of the Staff Room podcast, Tracy Browder of the Intelligogy podcast, Lakeisha Carroll of the Kicking It With Key podcast, Michael McWilliams and Hamish Brewer, two amazing principals. So be sure to check out Magic and all of the other amazing shows that we referenced. And of course, if you haven't done so already, be sure to subscribe and rate this show on whatever platform you're using. Are you ready? Let's go. Hey, friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Edge of Magic podcast. My name is Dr. Sam Fesich, and today I'm doing a crossover episode with Charles Williams. Today we're going to be looking back at 2020, talking about lessons learned, and looking forward to 2021. Before we hit record on this podcast, we actually were talking about how we need to shift our mindset into reframing what are some positives that came out of this pandemic? What have we learned about it? And where are we going as educators? And in your case, future educators. So let's jump right in. Hey, Charles, welcome to the show. Sam, I am so excited to be doing this crossover. It's kind of weird, right? It's like we're recording your show and my show simultaneously. Yes. So I'm super excited for this. Yeah, this will be awesome. So Charles, do you want to start by sharing a little bit about your teaching journey, where you are in education, and about your show as well? Absolutely. So for your listeners and for any of my new listeners, hopefully, or even those who have been listening but don't know all of this, this is my 15th year in education, and I have been in essentially 
every role. I was a TA. I was a teacher. I've worked uh, elementary. I've worked middle school. I've worked high school. I was an assistant principal, a lead teacher. And for the last five, six years, I have been a principal. Um, so, you know, just kind of all over the place. But those that journey has really led me into my podcast. And so I've spent those 15 years in urban education. Um, and so it is a space where oftentimes negative conversations dominate the arena, right? We, we talk about our students and say, well, well, they're, they're falling behind because of this, or this is what's wrong, or they don't have this, or they don't have that. And, you know, it, it's really sad because when you spend that much time working with our students, you start to realize like, yeah, th- those things are true, but there's this whole other narrative about them, right? They are excelling. They're doing some phenomenal work. And working off of this idea that I have that, right, talent is equally dispersed, but opportunities are not. And that's the truth, right? Our kids have all of this talent, all of this opportunity. They just don't get a chance to showcase it to the world like some of their peers. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to start this podcast. I want to bring educators in who can start to share all of those great stories, right? Not just the, oh, basketball championship or whatever. Like, you know, here are my scholars, here are my kids who are doing some phenomenal work and really start to change the narrative, right, around our our marginalized population. So hence the name, the Counter Narrative Podcast, changing the way we talk and think about education. I love it. Congratulations on 15 years in education. You've done it all. And that's, that's <laughs> awesome. That's amazing. And I love how you're changing up that mindset, changing up that narrative, reframing what people may think urban education is about. But here, here are examples of scholars. Here's how they're rocking it in their K-12. And I think that's amazing. Thank you so much. No problem. I, you know, like I said, you know, I, I appreciate yet another opportunity to share it out. And and so, Sam, if you could do me a favor, because some of my listeners may not know who you are or yeah. what you do. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your show? Yeah, I'm honored to. Yeah. So my name is Dr. Sam Fesich. I'm a professor of education at Grove City College, where I have the honor of teaching future educators every day. So I get to teach them in, well, Monday through Friday. Uh, I get to teach <laughs> them in uh, courses related to ed tech and special ed. And before that, I was a special education teacher uh, for students in middle school who have multiple disabilities. And it was the best learning experience I ever had. I was that teacher who brought in um, a smart board. And at the time when I was teaching, they were on wheels and it was super cool. And I found a smart board in a, in a janitor's closet or something like that, a storage closet. And I just dragged it across the hall and I plugged it in and I was able to see firsthand how technology can make the impossible possible for our students, especially those with special needs. And it was so cool to see them learn and use technology to help them be successful and independent in their everyday lives. So we use technology for um, for cooking and for literacy and for math. And it was just an amazing thing to see how tech and special ed really blend together. So when the opportunity came out, came up to get a master's in special ed and instructional tech cert, you know, I had to do that. And then, you know, just keep going on that education train and um, do a pit stop for a PhD in learning design and technology uh, with my research focus in augmented reality and students with special needs. So it was phenomenal. And when I saw that job posting at Grove City, I had 
had to actually refresh the browser a couple times because I couldn't believe that my dream job was posted. And I was so blessed to get the job. And now that's turned into a more of a full-time professor role working with our ed majors. And I love it. It's so much fun. That is wonderful. And and Sam, you know, I I absolutely agree with you. This this role, right, that technology plays and and really like kind of what I was mentioning earlier, right? Like you just pointed out, it's providing opportunity and access, right? Yes. You know, giving these students who may not otherwise have an opportunity to say, hey, this is my learning. This is my, right. I can't do it on a traditional paper test. I can't, you know, do it this, like it creates that opportunity. So I'm so glad that you're bringing that in, especially with future educators. As a principal, I need educators coming into my (laughs) building with that mindset. So maybe, maybe we could collaborate, get some student teachers in there. I feel like, yes, I feel like this, this is just open up to a whole new show. (laughs) I love it. I love it. So today we're going to be talking about we're each going to be sharing two takeaways from 2020. Uh, Charles is going to be sharing two. I'm going to be sharing two. We'll be talking about in between them. Um, and I'm really excited uh, to listen to your first point, Charles, about how this this is new for all of us and there are no experts. So go ahead. If you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit more about that first takeaway. Yeah. You know, it, it was interesting. You know, I think the world of education, right, if, if we're looking back a year or two, you know, and, and I don't know about you, but I, I love conferences. I would go to these things and, and especially to see those like edu celebrities, these experts. And they're like, this is how we need to do education. And you're sitting there and absorbing it, and you're like, yes, yes, yes. And you're then, on fire. <laughs> right, exactly. And then all of a sudden March hit and, and the education as we knew it was like, wait, like, you, you, like insert record scratch, right? Like <laughs> everything changed and suddenly there were no more experts. I mean, there are people who are like, yeah, I'm experienced with doing remote learning, but we really weren't doing remote or virtual, whatever you wanted to call it. We were doing crisis learning. And I don't know any educator who's like, yeah, you know, I'm experienced and I'm an expert in crisis learning. Like, so we all started kind of looking around and that, that was our go-to, right? If we didn't know how to do something, we were able to tap into social media or wherever else and say, hey, I, I can I know I'm going to go and find somebody who's rocking this thing out. And then suddenly we were all kind of sitting there looking at each other like none of us know. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it, it really created this level playing field in some cases, you know, for us to be able to say, how do we do this? Right. Let's try this. Let's figure this thing out. Um, and, and that was my biggest takeaway coming into this into this new thing, right? It it even shifted the conversations I had to have with my staff, right? I mean, typically the principal was kind of that guy who's like, Hey, how are we going to do this? It's like, yeah, cool. Right. I've got some great tips and strategies. I'm going to, but now we sat down together, like none of us know, right? How are, how are, how are we going to learn and grow and figure this out together? not from a top down, not from a a dictation, not from, right. It's how are we going through this together? And and that was my, I think my biggest takeaway in all of this, like we are going to mess up. We're going to make mistakes. And the reality is because nobody knows what what we're doing, but we're going to figure this out together. I think that's so the, the, fact that you brought up that there are no experts and it's just so interesting to think about that because we all went through this 
together and and there's this this saying that's somewhere out there on social media saying we're all in the same boat but are we really some of us yeah. have like um speedboats some of us have canoes some of us have kayaks you know some of us are like floating on the door like on titanic at the end of titanic you know but like we are all we're going through this storm together but everybody's boat looks a little bit different so we absolutely yeah so i think it's really important to, to consider that and i think this pandemic really put sh- put a light on the haves and have nots not only the digital divide but also education technology as a whole being used in the classroom. Because I think sometimes uh, teachers thought, oh, educational technology, I don't need to know about that. Oh, this works just fine. I'm going to be doing it this way because I've always done it this way. But now this pandemic has has really shown a light on that fact that we need to be using educational technology for good for authentic learning, for meaningful work, and what does that look like in the online space? Because we just can't take that same worksheet that we've been using for the past however many years (laughs) and put it online. It's not the same. And teaching online is not the same as teaching in a traditional learning space. I think it's really important to consider what that looks like in that online space. And that's definitely a lesson lesson that I learned uh, during the spring and fall. Absolutely. You know, and and I like the fact that you said we can't just shift it, right? That was one of the biggest things. Everybody just tried to shift like, all right, well, let's just take school and put it in this virtual space and we'll just keep (laughs) doing what we were like. No, like we we cannot, we cannot do that. So. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so, so what about you? What is what, 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 what eh, I can't even speak today. I'm so excited. Words are about hard. This. Words are hard. <laughs> <laughs> so what's one of your takeaways? Yeah. So I think that kind of blends into uh, one of my takeaways, which is online teaching and traditional learning are totally different. Um, they may look the same um, on the outside, but they really use different pedagogies and strategies. And in my, in my opinion, I think teaching online is, is harder but technology can help us save some teacher time and some teacher stress. Um, Tori Trust has an article and a presentation out where she talks about remote teaching and a crisis teaching and how they're online teaching and um, remote teaching and crisis teaching, how they're, they're different things. And what we did in March was not online teaching. It was crisis management. We were in a pandemic. How do we reach and teach these children online taking a week to to prepare materials. So um, I can send information about that to her article and to her presentation. She does a beautiful job walking through six points that we need to consider when teaching online. But I just want to talk about one of those, which is about accessibility. And accessibility coming from a special ed perspective is critical when it comes to teaching online. We have to make sure the materials, the content that we're pushing out there, the ways our students are turning in in their assignments is accessible to them. So using um, Chrome extensions or Microsoft Immersive Reader, providing our students with these resources so they can be successful in their home learning spaces, so they can be successful in the online space when they come to meet with us either synchronously or asynchronously. Um, but using technology to help us not take what we've done in that traditional learning space. I don't like to say face-to-face because I feel like in an online space, we still can be face-to-face with our webcams on, voices on, those types of things. So I'd like to call it a traditional learning space. So taking those resources that we've done in a traditional learning space, how do we use them in that online teaching world? And there's lots of tools out there that can help us with that, um, 
for example, thinking about going back to our roots in universal design for learning and the CAST website, thinking about how can we differentiate our instructions for students to show what they know in different ways. Instead of doing a multiple choice test, how about they create a podcast, they create a video, they create a flyer, they create a brochure, I don't know, something, a presentation um, that so they can show what they know in a different way. Or how about we change up how we're delivering content instead of lecturing for 50 minutes? <clears throat> That's not a best practice. Um, thinking about chunking your content into smaller pieces. So a little bit of content for higher ed, you know, maybe like a 10 minute piece and then have them do something with it. For younger learners, maybe give them five minutes of content, have them apply it five minutes more, have them apply it. So break up the way you're delivering that content. And there's tools that you can use like Edpuzzle, Nearpod, Pear Deck, Wiser. Um, and if you have like a worksheet you've been using forever and always, um, you can actually use tools like TeacherMade to upload that PDF and make it an editable worksheet. But you want to make sure you're using best practices when you're creating that content to deliver to, deliver to your students. You know, Sam, I love the fact that you mentioned accessibility, right? Because so many conversations around technology is just simply we, we and, and it's critical, right? We have to get devices and yes. Wi-Fi access to our students. That is absolutely sure. critical. But even beyond that, because you can't just slap a computer in front of a kid and give them Wi-Fi and be like, all right, you're good to go. See ya. Right? <laughs> yeah, like you, you, we need to make sure, like you said, the, the accessibility and even it changes, right? Like my babies in my school, my K-1-2, their accessibility needs are vastly different from my 6th, 7th, and 8th graders, mm -hmm. right? And so you can't just simply use the same tool across the board. And But I think even beyond that, and I think this is important for your future educators to think about, established educators to think about, is that it's not just our students, right? When we're talking about accessibility, how do we make sure that our families have accessibility to this new online learning, right? I mean, when we were in typical learning, right, like you said, traditional learning spaces, if a parent needed support, they could come up to the school, pop in, right? They, they can connect with us in that way. But suddenly, for many of us, that is no longer an option. So how do we make sure that parents have accessibility to the learning, to those spaces, to the teachers, to the administration. And, and my good friend Tara had said this before, and, and I and I just keep running with it, right? We have to make sure we meet them where they are. Yes. Right? I mean, we cannot just roll something out and say, well, figure it out. Mm -hmm. Like, like we have to say, all right, how can I get you to that point? Because that's where I need you to be. But how can I grow you? How can I scaffold you? Because again, this is not just something that we apply to our students we have to apply it to our families and our community as well. Right. Oh my gosh. That was beautiful. I love how you shared, well, we can't just give them Wi-Fi and, and a computer. Here you go. See you later. But we have to really scaffold them. How do we not only teach our students, the families, the community about the importance. Oh, that that's fantastic. I love that. I love it. This is great. <laughs> All right, Charles, I know you have another one. And this one really speaks to my teaching heart. I can't wait for you to share it. Go ahead. Yeah. So, you know, and it feels weird saying it now, right? Like a couple months ago, it was like, yeah, this is new. This is innovative. But it's maybe a little cliche, a little overused, but it it doesn't mean that it's not important. And it comes back to this idea of Maslow over Bloom, right? So, and I'll give a backstory. So several years ago, when I became the principal of my school now, I mean, my very first year, there were like 
all right, cool. We're shutting your school down, what? right, for poor performance. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I'm brand new here. Give me a chance. Let me figure something out. So I remember my first year, I went traditional, right? We got to get brand new textbooks. We got to look at the curriculum. We got to make sure we have, you know, high quality teachers. And so we did all of these things. And I went into the end of the year like, yeah, right? Like, this is, I followed <laughs> I those this. checklists, right? And our scores barely moved. And I was like, well, so, you know, of course, now everybody's looking at me and said, look, you said you were going to make a change. And so we do this thing called the five essentials. And it is a, a survey that we give to our students, to our parents, to our staff. And, you know, we sat down and we looked at it. And what we realized was that now, despite kind of having these things in place, our students weren't happy. They didn't feel safe coming to the school. They didn't feel like when they were in the school that they were being heard and supported. And to be honest, our staff, they expressed many of the same things, right? And no amount of curriculum or anything is going to address that. And so we really shifted our perspective and we embraced SEL as a whole. And we really made sure that we focused on our people, right? We poured love into our people. I mean, we did everything that we could imagine to say, we love you, we support you, we want you. And within a year, we started seeing these huge gains, right? Because now all of a sudden people are like, hey, I I like being here, right? School is a place like, eh, I may not like what's going on in the classroom, but I have community. I have teachers who care about me, right? I, I want to be in this space. And now suddenly, right, once I'm actually showing up. So that was one of the big keys, right? Our attendance was horrible. Because nobody wanted to be in a space. And I don't just mean students. I, I We had subs galore, right? So mm. you don't want to be in that space. But suddenly, we didn't really need subs anymore. Suddenly, our attendance was one of the top rates in the city. And obviously, when you're in a building and things are going well, learning starts to happen, right? And, and so that is what we focused on. So not only did we want students in the building, but how do we take care of you? And like I said earlier... It's not just about our students. I tell families when they come to our school, we're not just enrolling your student, we're enrolling the family. So we need to make sure, absolutely, right? Because it goes back to that idea of the village, right? If we're going to have a village raising our students, well, we need to make sure that that village is operating, right? right? And, And so we tried to connect you know, families with how can we help you make sure that you're employed? How can we make sure that you have health care? How can we make sure that you, you know, that your your lights and stuff, your utilities are taken care of? Because as a parent, if I'm worried about those things, I can't support my child. Right. And if I'm a child and I'm not getting support from my parent, I'm not going to do well in school. So instead of just sitting there and taking that traditional approach and like, this parent doesn't care, mm-hmm. like, no, what's going on in this parent's life? And how can we make sure that those things are met? So that now their kid is being taken care of and we're excelling. So that was my biggest thing like years ago. And to be honest, it has played wonders in this idea of remote and crisis learning because now more than ever, our families need to be taken care of. And that is truly the key and the secret. It's not even a secret. Like I don't want it to be a secret. Go out there and do this. Everybody, right? And, and so that has been our success. So can you share a little bit of more about what relationship building looks like in the online space for this fall, not this uh, fall semester or first or second nine weeks, K-12 speak, um, that uh, you guys are using to starting to build those relationships with your students and your families? 
Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that I think that we relied a lot on are just relationships and open and honesty, right? I was always available. My kids, we kind of chuckled, you know, I had like little desks in the hallway that I put on like principal's office and they're like, (laughs) what do you mean? Right. But it's like, no, I'll come and sit here. You know, when I, when I met with them or with my staff, I would do it in their spaces, Um, right? That was a thing, right? It's like, it's, it's, well, you talked about accessibility, right? I needed to make myself accessible. And it wasn't just to them, but it was my parents. My parents knew you can stop by any day, any time, and Principal Williams will make time to sit down and talk to you, right? Talk to me what's going on. And so, again, we couldn't do that in our virtual space. So instead, what we did during crisis learning, one day a week, I opened it up to each of my students. So like Tuesdays, I think it was K2. Uh, Wednesdays, it was like 3-5. Thursdays, it was middle school. And then Fridays, it was like my parents. And so an hour every day, I made myself available. Mm-hmm. Students, come in, talk with me. What's going on? How are things going? What's working? What's not working? Mm-hmm. Right. And I wanted to make sure it wasn't just, okay, I'm going to talk to my experienced middle schoolers. No, I even need to hear from my babies. Like, yeah. what what's happening? And I did the same thing with our teachers. And then as school continued this year, I tried to keep that in place. Right. So we, every other week, I have check-ins with my teachers. Um, I, I have check-ins with my, my my parents. You know, they could come into the space and just share with me, hey, this is working, this isn't. But I think the key, and, and for any teachers, leaders, anybody who's listening, is that you can't just do this, right, and open it up and say, yeah, come and talk to me, and then do nothing with it, mm-hmm. right? The, the key is I've listened to you, and now I've put that thing into practice. So, you know, when my, my, my baby's parents were like, hey, Mr. Williams, I, I know eight o'clock was traditional start time, but it's really, really hard. You know, we've got these other things. I said, well, what about 830? They said 830 would work. So we shifted it. We, That's fine. We can do that, right? Because we're not in this brick and mortar building. Right, right. We have these. Uh, and so we did that and it, it shows them you can come and talk to me. And I, I'm not just going to sit there and absorb what you're saying, but I'm going to put it into practice. And so that that has been key. So again, it's just that building relationships and making sure those foundational needs are taken care of before you can jump into schoolwork and all that other stuff. That will take care of itself. I guarantee you it will take care of itself if you could build a strong foundation. So if I ask a question from the student teacher perspective, how can how can a student teacher use this strategy of Maslow over Bloom's to really invest in their students that they might see only for like eight or nine weeks, maybe 15 weeks? How can they use this strategy in the online space to to really build those relationships that are meaningful, make those connections with their learners? Because we know relationships, <laughs> sorry, they're playing a game out there. <laughs> I don't know if you heard all that screaming, but I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> so let me rephrase that. Um, so how can our student teachers use Maslow over Bloom's, this, this idea of Maslow over Bloom's in their student teaching, if they're a teach, student teaching in the online space to really build those relationships with their students? Because we know relationships are first, procedures, and then content. So we need to really build those relationships. How can we do that in the online space? So, you know, I, I think one of the keys is that this is something that it has to be a commitment by the school, right? And so... When we built our schedule for remote learning, the very first thing that we put in there at the beginning of, so every day, this is what we do. We have anywhere between 15 to 20 minutes, and I've made it very clear to my teachers, if you need more time, you take it. It is 
dedicated to explicit SEL. Oh. Right? It, it is, let's check in. How are you guys doing? What's going on? There, there are activities, which I, I love. My counselor and my social worker are great in supporting in this area. But it's really just, there's this dedicated time that students know. Like, we're not just starting class and jumping in. Like, open your books to pay. Like, let's check in. Where are we at? What do you need? How are you doing? And that has been key. So even though we're in this remote setting, it gives us an opportunity to connect and learn and build, right? Like I, I, the other day I was in a classroom during that time. And so we were talking about students' birthdays and what they were doing, <laughs> you know, and coming and, you know, I was in kindergarten, uh, you know, they had a pajama party on yes! Friday. And so I put on my pajamas and I hopped <laughs> in there with them. And, yes. <laughs> you know, and it, it, it's just getting to know them, right? Like, you know, I have a three-year-old grandson and this one student in there, like he, he had a PJ mask desk oh. and I was like PJ mask. And he looked at it and looked at me like, you know, PJ masks. Sure. Amazing. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it, it immediately, there's that connection. So it's not like teachers like this. You don't have to do something crazy. Like it's not something that becomes difficult. It's just simply create that time, carve out time. And I, I'm not going to tell teachers to do this like without the the blessing of their administrators, but I will say this: it's easier to ask, to ask for uh, forgiveness than permission. So, uh, mm-hmm. to to those mm-hmm. teachers administrators, I, I'm sorry, but this is what they need to do. Like, if you're not giving them the space, teachers, you need to do this. Carve out that time, put instruction to the side, and build those relationships because there's explicit, but there's also implicit, right? Don't just say like, "All right, now." Whoop. It's 8.30. We got to stop SEL. Right. Like, like, how can we continue to incorporate SEL into the lessons, you know, that we're doing and and, and keep it going? You know, I had a teacher, they were talking about culture and everything like that. And we are 99% African-American. And so, you know, we, she did a whole lesson about like hairstyles and what that meant and brought in other educators to talk about like, what is the history behind dreadlocks, right? Why do we put beads... And and so when you talk about like making learning meaningful and authentic, right. But having students say, Hey, I'm being seen and I'm being heard. Like, like I was just sitting there like, Oh, this is what we're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Oh my gosh. That's incredible. Yeah. That that's awesome. I love that time that you carve out intentionally for SEL and it doesn't have to be anything big. That has to be this big show. It's just, it's just, building relationships, having conversations, making connections. And that I love that example. Thank you so much. No, absolutely. And, and so Sam, you know, I know that you shared earlier about accessibility, but I know you definitely have a second point, okay. something that we, we, we need, I don't care what role in education you play, something we need to t- stay tuned into. So can you share with us that one? Yeah, absolutely. So I wish I learned this skill whenever I was a future teacher, whenever I was, because I think it would have helped me as a first year educator, as a beginning teacher. And it's the skill of setting boundaries and self-care and like just carving out time for you. And I know that sounds like, oh, I could sit and read a chapter of this awesome book that I'm reading, or I could grade these papers. Hmm, what should I do? And you feel like if I take time for myself, then I'm not investing in my students or I'm not like putting time into school or whatever, whatever that my negative mindset might be. But really, you need to take time for yourself. So you need to take time for yourself personally, so you can take time to be a great educator professionally. 
And um, Kiana Cole, who you can find her over on Twitter and Instagram, Kicking It With Key. She has an amazing, amazing YouTube channel. She has meditations, affirmations, um, and resources to help. She's a self-care teacher enthusiast. And I think everyone needs to go connect with her. Um, And she has amazing resources. But I know this is something that I've been working on, especially throughout March and April and May and all those, you know, months that add up to the pandemic. Because when that started, my... um, my teaching life, my being a wife life, and my uh, being a mom life all converged into one space. And I am really good at compartmentalizing, okay, um, when I'm at school, I'm at school and I'm doing these things. When I'm at home, I'm there with my family, I'm 100% there. But then they all kind of collided into what I lovingly call the COVID corner, which is a space in my bedroom where I have like our computer all set up and everything so I can teach. But it's everything combined into one area. And I was really struggling with being okay with taking time for myself, whether that meant just getting out and taking a walk, um, social distance and a mask, of course, um, listening to a podcast or jumping on the elliptical, uh, journaling, prayer, all those things. And it really was a struggle just to take like 20 minutes. I felt like I wasn't giving it to anybody else. Like, oh, I, I have to go sit and read a story with my daughter. No, my, my husband can do that. He's a really good reader and he does that really well. I could step back for 15 minutes, you know, and just go reinvest that in myself so I can be a better mom, wife, teacher, colleague, all those things. And I really wish I would have learned this skill because it's still something, I think this is something that we still practice throughout our careers. We just get better at it, but I wish I would have learned this earlier. So anytime I'm able to share with my future teachers, self-care, set boundaries, like block time for yourself, like seriously puts time on your calendar to take care of you. So you'll actually do it. It's such a, it's such an amazing skill. Cause I think it would help out with burnout, with, um, you know, self-esteem with, with teacher care, all those, all those great things that we want to make sure that we're doing, we're taking care of ourselves so we can invest in others. Sam, you know, I, I absolutely agree with you. And I, I think it's sad mm. that, we have to talk about this, like to encourage it, right? Because it says something about the just the environment that we're in, right? And yes. There, there's a word emerging now, like this this concept of toxic positivity. Oh yeah. You know, like it, it's we are expected, right? Because if if I have any downtime as an educator, then that means I'm not a good educator. Mm. And it's no, yeah, no, right. Like, I, I, I just saw somebody <laughs> exactly like no. I just saw somebody on Twitter say like, well. You know, teachers who do countdowns to breaks, that's horrible because that means you want to be somewhere else. And it's like, no, maybe that teacher simply has said, look, you know what? I'm giving my all. But when it comes to break, that is my time. Yeah. Right. And so there's nothing wrong with saying I need to make sure that I'm taking care of myself. Right. And, and there's there's a principal down in Texas, Mike. Um, and, and I love the idea. He calls it purple time. So he he's super like. <laughs> organized and he like color codes his like his calendar and his purple are personal things right and he says he looks at his calendar and there's like barely any purple so like he he coined this term like you know find your purple right you need your purple time and I was like I love that right but yes (laughs) you're absolutely right we need to put that link in the show notes if we can find the purple time information and um didn't Shay and Pav just do something on toxic toxic positivity on their podcast? You know what they did, and and I was going to mention like by the time this episode airs, um, this will already be out there. So if if you're listening to this now, go and find it. 
but we're also doing an office hour. So Che, Pav, myself, a good friend of ours, Tracy Browder, we're actually talking about wellness. And so, you know, the fact that, you know, we're, that is, that's happened, the fact that, you know, I was on a panel and wellness came up, that wellness is coming up in this, it's just stressing the need. Like this is something we need as educators to embrace and stop beating ourselves up. And I, I like you, right? I was that person. Like even now, my, my wife gets mad at me because I'm like, I have to be the first person at the building, babe. I'm the principal. I have to be the first one there. I have to be the last one to leave. Like, there, there Why are these do we have those settings in our head? Like, I have to do this. Do you really? Right. <laughs> no, like, I don't. Like, wait, wait. Where's that written? Who yeah. came up with this? Is no that story. a rule somewhere? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, it's like they they talk about like right when you walk into an elevator, you you're supposed to turn around and not speak. Mm-hmm. But like, who came up with that rule? Yeah. Right? Even though you're the weirdo, if you don't, but yeah, like, like let, let's let's all be weirdos in education. Like, can we can we try that? Like, can we be weirdos and just break those unspoken and unhealthy norms? Just like give us a month, right? Maybe what if we did that, Sam? Like for a month in January, if there was that challenge, let's break them. And let's just see what happens. I mean, I like education it. has been broken already with co- like we're not going to do know, any right? more damage. I know, right? right? Like, Give it to let, any more damage in a pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Maybe we should come up with like a thirty day challenge where like we can yes. do different things to break education and see if it breaks or see if it gets better. Yes, I, I agree. I think it would get better. <laughs> I yes, yes, yes. I love it. Charles, this has been a fantastic conversation. I can't believe it flew by. Um, I know my listeners are going to want to get in touch with you because, well, you're a principal and amazing. You have an amazing podcast. You have great experience to share. If they want, When they want to connect with you, how can they get in touch with you? Yeah. So you know what? I would say the, the best place to begin would be on Twitter. I am all over Twitter. So you can find me at underscore CW Consulting. I used to get upset that I had to use that underscore because there is a CW Consulting that doesn't use their handle, but by now everybody knows it's the underscore, so I'm not <laughs> even going to bother changing it. Right. Um, you know, I, I would say follow me on the on what my daughters call, you know, the gram or IG. <laughs> Maybe they don't even call it that. I think um, they do. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, that that is the best place. I, I have a website, www.cwconsultingservice.com. Um, that that is kind of my hub. And of course, if you aren't following yet, please make sure that you like, subscribe, listen, whatever. Right, I'm I'm still not great in all these terms, but follow it and listen to the podcast, the Counter Narrative Podcast, which can be found everywhere. And um, yeah, what about you, Sam? Because I'm sure my listeners are like, man, this person's great, Charles. Why did you wait so long to collaborate? <laughs> How can they connect with you? Perfect. Yeah. So you can find me over on the gram and on Twitter at sfesich. That's S-F-E-C-I-C-H. You can also find my website, sfesich.com. And check out my podcast, the Edgy Magic Podcast, which is which is just for future and new teachers. You can find it wherever you like and subscribe to this one. So yeah, I look forward to uh, connecting with your listeners. Sam, it has been an absolute pleasure. I, I, I hope that this is not the last time that we connect. I feel like we have another episode in us. I'm thinking something related to student teaching, interview, job search, all those things. You know, that would make absolute sense. We can't just talk theory. We got to do practical, right? Absolutely. All right. (laughs) Can we quickly recap those uh, four, four points before we end our show? Absolutely. So you know what? Point number one for me is that this is new for all of us. So if you're struggling, right, it's okay. Because you're not the only one out there struggling. Don't don't. If somebody says, 
I'm the expert. Please don't listen to them. And I'm sorry for all of those celebrities out there who are touting themselves as experts. Yeah, we're getting good, but we're not experts yet. Right. Um, so don't beat yourself up. And, and the second, my second point was simply pour on that love. Make sure that you're focusing on people, not programs. Um, you know, Hamish talks about that all the time. Um, people, not programs. Just focus on them. And I guarantee you things will take care of themselves, but you got to love your people, build that foundation. Beautiful. And whenever you talk about that expert, I had a professor in grad school who said, there is no such thing as experts. We are always learning and always growing. And I think that's such a critical thing for us to know. There are no such thing as experts. They're like a unicorn. (laughs) (laughs) Truly. But my first point was online teaching and traditional learning are totally different. Yes, there are some similarities between them. They may look the same, but they do use different pedagogies, methods, strategies. You can use some tech tools to help you save some teacher time. Um, I shared a couple of those in the episode. So rewind if you if you missed a couple of those um, and try some out. Uh, get creative, take a risk and try something new in your classroom. And my second point was the importance of teacher self-care. It's not just a fad. It's not just a buzzword. It's something you need to apply and put into practice. So schedule in that purple time. I love it, Sam. It was a pleasure and I look forward to talking to you soon. Listeners, thank you for listening. Awesome. Thank you so much. And remember, friends, you have the edgy magic within you. I want to thank you for listening to the Counter Narrative Podcast. If you like what you are hearing, please be sure to like and subscribe. The show can be found on Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and several of your other favorite platforms. This podcast is also featured on schoolrubric.com, where you can find educational articles, videos, and interviews with educators from around the globe. Be sure to connect with the host and other listeners by following the show on Twitter at The CN Podcast and joining the show's Facebook group. Take care.